Hi there, I'm Phil Main, and this is A Life That's Good. I remember going in way back when I was a teenager and being captivated by all the old stuff. I've returned a few times over the years, including a couple of visits recently where I noticed some things I hadn't before. For one, it seemed a lot bigger than I remembered. And for some reason, I found myself looking at some of the displays with different eyes. Eyes that wondered how all these amazing pieces of history were at one time very modern and purposeful elements in the lives of people that lived in this amazing part of the world. On the way out, I noticed the sign and under the name Huron County Museum, the words always changing, always inspiring. It is both those things and a whole lot more. And we're going to talk about that on the podcast today with senior curator Elizabeth French Gibson, marketing coordinator Amy Zutout, and Sinead Cox, the curator of engagement and dialogue. The history of the museum itself, the history within, why that's so important, and some of the things that once upon a time made life good. Here in County Museum, that's one of my favorite places just to go and hang out for an afternoon. Is that okay that I hang out there? Absolutely. We want people to come every day if they okay. can. Elizabeth French Gibson. Can I just call you Elizabeth? Yes. You are the senior curator. Senior curator at the Huron County Museum and Historic Jail. So both it, sites. Is there a junior curator? There's not. No. No. But I have another curator who helps me out a lot. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you brought friends, Amy Zutout. Am I saying your last name right? I've you known George. Are. You nailed it. Well, I've known George since we were kids. Yeah. And uh, he's, of course, uh, your significant other mm-hmm. who works out at Coastal Coffee now, He right? sure does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's good to have you here, Amy. Thank you. And Sinead Cox. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, you are the... The marketing, marketing coordinator uh-huh. for cultural services. So I do both the museum and the Huron County Library. And Amy and Elizabeth both got ripped off in the titles category. You seem to have got the big title, Sinead Cox. <laughs> I am the curator of engagement and dialogue. Engagements and dialogue. Yes. Okay, we'll have to talk about I engage that. and I dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So let's find out a little bit about each of you. Elizabeth, where are you from? Originally, yeah. I'm from Whalen's Corners, down the south end of Huron County. Oh, my. Way down south. But you are a Huron County girl. I can be if I want to be. <laughs> I, I was a border hopper. I grew up on the Middlesex County side of the road, okay. but went across the road a lot into Huron County, where my mom's family was all from in Usburn Township. Okay. And where'd you go to school? Bidolph and Medway. I nice. went in towards London. Lovely. So. And did you have to go to university someplace and study what you do? I did, actually. I went to Trent University and then to Sir Sanford Fleming College after that and mm-hmm. studied museum management and uh. then worked a number of other places and found this job so I could come closer to home. And I've been here now almost 20 years. The word curator. Is that a title you have to earn? Is that something you learn how to do? Is it like a, a sommelier? You have to... <laughs> <laughs> to be able to just do the right tasks at all times. Yeah. So the curator part of it is more the management side and working with the collections and kind of deciding what directions we can start to go for the museum and uh, the stories that we can tell. I like to think of it more as a storytelling job. Mm. 
That's what this show is all about. Amy Zuthout is the marketing coordinator. What does that mean for you? So I'm responsible for promoting the Huron County Museum Historic Gel and the 12 branches of the Huron County Library. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a big job. It is a very big job. Yeah, multifaceted. When did the jail and the museum connect? Because were they not at one point separate entities? Mm -hmm. The jail has always been operated primarily by the county. And then after it became a museum, there was a board of directors that worked. And then in the 1990s, they decided to mesh back together. And we've been closely working together then at that time. Okay, I have some great memories of the jail too. Mm -hmm. And I should be careful how I say that. Um, Just uh, was a part of a theater group called the Pendulum Players back in the 70s. We used to do shows in the courthouse. There's a real vibe, a kind of an energy in that place that's kind of hard to describe, but all it's the things It's a great place for theater, though. The yeah. acoustics are amazing in mm-hmm. there, and the courtyards, the open space. It's it's wonderful whenever we can have those public events. Of course, a big story that always goes around about Stephen Truscott having spent time there. Yes, and we still have people who come through the doors because they know that story as well. So yeah. we have... Many, many, many thousands of names of people that have been through the jail, but Stephen Trescott, James Donnelly, those are the ones that people remember the most. Mm -hmm. So Amy, as a marketing coordinator, what's your favorite part of what you do? Uh, To tell people about the amazing space that we have at the museum and jail and all of the exciting things we have going on. You're a Godrich girl, right? No, no? I'm not. (gasps) I was... I grew up in Hensel. Oh. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. I like it. White Bean Town. Metzger's. Yeah. Isn't that where Metzger's is? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I always think of bacon. No matter what, where people tell me stories, the first thing is, what's the closest place that makes bacon? Oh, Metzger's. Metzger's, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get better than that. Oh, Hensel's a great little place. Yeah. Yeah, So how many years, though, in Godridge? Oh, boy. Did you go to over twenty five? Did, you didn't go to GDCI then? No, I went to South Huron. Okay, well, that's uh, that's a competition, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we like South Huron too. Uh, Sinead Cox, I, I want to automatically default and go. You're Irish, but maybe not. I don't know. I mean, uh, like nine generations back, it's okay. a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> and a great title, coordinator of engagement and dialogue. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Which means what? That's a great question. Uh, it means I get to do programming, so so public programming, and uh, so that could be everything from groups coming into the jailer museum. It could be organizing workshops, having other artists and people come into the museum or the jail. Um, as you mentioned, the jail space is a beautiful space for like yeah. performers and and people to come in and in telling those stories from um, from Hearing County widely at the museum and at the jail. The story that actually took place. So something I get to coordinate every year is our Behind the Bars tours at the jail where people are actually portraying real prisoners. Mm-hmm. That's always a highlight of the year. And uh, when I'm really, really lucky, and this doesn't happen very often, I have some time to like research stories to build upon and grow that interpretation of our sites. So it really encompasses a lot, including engaging and dialoguing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your story? What's your, where are you from? So I've moved all the way into town to Godridge <laughs> from Godridge Township. Oh, so Lord. the the, the municipality <laughs> Yeah, the, the municipality formerly known as Godridge Township. So I'm I'm from Porter's Hill originally. Okay. So Wow. Yeah, so a beef beef farm at Porter's Hill is uh-huh. where I come from. Public school? Yeah, I went to Holmesville Public School, okay. rest in yep. peace. And Aww. and I went to CHSS, so I'm going to bring another rival school into wow. this. Uh, yeah. 
It's tough being from CHSS. We have two, when they built St. Anne's, but GDCI was already our enemy, and then yeah. we were attacked on two fronts. It's very difficult. It was always CHSS and Stratford and the Vikings on the football field. We mm-hmm. had quite a rivalry going back in the day. You don't remember? Not, no, there was no football <laughs> no. happening in no. the early 2000s. Early 2000s. I'm probably just like warring screamo bands, probably, was yeah. the... You, you guys brought somebody here that was in high school in the early 2000s. Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. More than once, our new high school students are making us feel very old sometimes. That, they are very enthusiastic about the museum, that, yeah. um, but we realize how old we are. That's a lovely thing because we, we hire high school students and university students at the museum. It's often you know their first job. It's really exciting to see a lot of young people um, who get really invested in the sites and telling those stories themselves yeah. from their own community. But yeah, a lot of them think that, you know, some of the stuff we have in the office is an artifact, uh, let alone the things that are... <laughs> right. So. Are you calling Elizabeth and I artifacts? <laughs> no. That's what I heard. No. I, I, sorry, that's what I heard. Uh, my niece worked there a couple of summers ago, maybe maybe more than a couple now. Becca Marshall. Yeah. Do you know Becca? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, she loved it. You might, She's so might. talented. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of her. We've had a lot of students go through there, and they are all over the province, really all over the world. We have one student who worked with us who's in Australia now. So it's fantastic to see where they go afterwards, and then they take that love of the museum with them, we hope, and tell people about it. So we know a little bit about you. Let's talk a little bit about the museum. Was it a school at one time? It was. It was the central school in Godrich originally. And then when the school closed, they weren't really sure what to do with the building. What years would have that do you even know? Like that's Yeah, it was the eighteen forties up until the nineteen forties. Okay. So it was a hundred years that it was there and, and functions as a school for a lot of different children going through that area. And then we became a museum in that site in nineteen fifty one. The museum itself has had some major like lobby and all of that work that's been done in the last few years. It's beautiful to walk in those front doors now. And we have a lot of things planned for what's coming up as well. So it started in 1951. In 1988, they had run out of room and built a huge addition on the back. And that's the piece that's around the train and a large storage area that we have at the back. And then what we've been working on for probably the last five or so years is really updating and upgrading everything inside now again. So our reading room expanded, our front lobby has been changed to be more welcoming. There's a huge mural that's planned to go into that space over the next few months as well. And that theater space. And we do. We have a 50-seat theater that people can come and, and use for special events or activities or meetings or birthday parties, all sorts of things. Yeah, I was part of an event there recently for Balls Bridge. Yes. Which is another thing you're probably interested in hanging on to. So do you have interest in historical things outside the museum as well? Is that just part of who you are naturally? I guess all three of you, people that are interested in Uh, the past? Absolutely. I think that uh, we all have a really eclectic version of things that we are following all the time. So if you come to the museum and you have an interest in anything, there's usually one of us who is also (laughs) interested in that as well. And Sinead's been really involved in a lot of history things um, for the last number of years that uh, really have sparked a lot of interest in people around the communities. Yeah, I had um, Staging Our Histories, which is a history performance event that I was co-organizing with some of my colleagues from Carleton. So I have my master's is in public history, which is just 
doing history, but in public. Uh, it's trying to employ, you know, some of those historians who can't all be academics. So we brought that to Godridge twice as well. And my interest is always in, you know, the local history. And I think at the museum, we have so many lovely resources that, you know, if you want to be thinking about a time in history, if you want to be thinking about it locally, and we have so many wonderful resources here. So um, whether you're in the classroom or if you want to do research on like, who lived in my house? I think sometimes those stories are automatically personal because you're in that physical space where that history happened. And I, I think just like we sometimes forget that, you know, our municipal government who like takes our garbage and <laughs> and, yep. uh, and makes a road is that, that that's what touches our daily life the most. Um, our local history, too, is sometimes what touches our daily life Absolutely. the most. I want to talk about favorite exhibits. And please don't say the two-headed calf. <laughs> Well, then I have to say the train, because that's the only other oh. favorite. Whenever people two- come in the building, it's the two-headed calf and the train that people remember the yeah. most. Um, but I think everyone has a little bit of the building they love mm-hmm. the most. We still have people who come in and say they remember running around when uh, Mr. Neal, who is our founder, was there. He'd let them come in and sometimes for free, sometimes for a nickel, sometimes for a dime, and they just come in on a rainy afternoon, and they can remember his models, um, where you could turn the handles and try things out, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's still one of my favorite spaces, because you can watch people come in the building and think, oh, I'm just coming to a dusty museum that my grandma told me I had to come and see with her, and then get excited about things, yeah. and seeing the stories, and, and touching things, and going around the building, and discovering something new every time you go around a different corner. What's your favorite exhibit, Amy? My favorite thing in the museum is the staircase that's in the central school. Original staircase, I'm assuming it was the original when it was built, that creaks when you walk up Mm. and down it and you can see the worn treads that you can just envision hundreds and hundreds of little feet running up and down those stairs that still happens. Stairs from the school? It was, yes. Amazing. So it has these um, lovely indentations because the kids in those days, because they still had the strap, I guess, they went up the stairs single file and they went down the stairs single file. So the the middle of the stairs is not as worn as either side. And you can see the heavier tread of uh, the students coming down Mm -hmm. versus going up. So Mm -hmm. it's something we have to explain to every group of kids that come Mm -hmm. uh, because they're like, why are these stairs so uneven? So it's something that the staff really loves. It's flooded my memory. With, uh, I went to public school at Victoria Public School, mm. which is now torn down for the hotel that's there. But that was all old wooden stairs, too. And I, I can hear the sound of yeah. uh, all the kids going, those boards creaking. Yeah. Yeah. What would your favorite exhibit be? Can you choose one? It's tough. I do love the jail. That's probably the the site that I love to spend the most time at. But at the the museum too, I think the the main street exhibit around the train is something that a lot of people love, and I do too, because it's a mix. We have like the chapel in there that has things from Protestant and Catholic churches from Walton and from other places, and we have facades that are from Brussels, like actual storefronts and signs, and from Wingham and Clinton. So it's like this, this little here in county in 
one street. And I mean, there's no other place in the world that that would need to exist but our museum. And I I love that. And I, I love, uh, we've changed, you know, our display method since Mr. Neal had his kind of like everything out in the open with yeah. a tombstone label. But the thing about some of the spaces that still kind of have that method um, and the storefronts, because they have so much stuff in them, is when I take a group through or a class through and they'll ask me about something and I'll be like, I've never noticed that before. I would have to like look up the story of that artifact. I didn't even know that was there. They'll like see something um, with their eyes that you've never noticed before. So, uh, so I do love taking groups through there. I like some of the stuff you have in, in your marine exhibit. There's a, is there a room upstairs with a map of all the... Is that still there? No, is it's it not. Gone? It is only because we're doing a major renovation. So yeah. there is... Uh, well, I'll cut this then. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> no, okay, because no, we can still we talk want, about it, because yeah. we're still working on it. Uh, the Northwest Gallery is where the Great Storm of 1913 and the salt yeah. mining pieces um, all were displayed. And we did some assessments, and we tracked visitors, and we did interviews and community consultations. And found out that people were interested in that but because we're the Huron County Museum it wasn't telling the county's story. It was only telling one portion of the county's story. So we took everything out and if you go into the room now you'll find brand new walls and brand new carpet and then green painter's tape all over the floor as we're plotting out what that room is going to look mm. like and all the new stories that we're going to be able to tell. And so we're still focusing on industry in Huron County so there still will be some of the shipping and and uh, the fishing and the salt mine, but then looking at the diversification and all the things that we have from all over the county, um, from uh, Wingham and Seaforth and Exeter and all places in between. And so it'll be a brand new room. Right now it's sitting empty with the green tape on the floor, but we're hoping by summer there'll be a whole new room for everybody to come and see. Such an interesting paradigm in looking to the future and trying to be futuristic about how you present the past. It is, and it goes right with the collection too, because what do you collect? Right. What is gonna be history 50 years from now? It's And a lot of the artifacts, as we said earlier, they are, we know them, we remember them. We remember from our houses or our grandparents' houses and because they were well-made and people use them constantly, but things change so fast now. Yeah, what do we collect? And, so we really try to focus just on things that were used or made in Huron County that were really focused on Huron County. So I don't need your microwave. I don't need that. But we're going to look back and maybe take things from CKNX or, or the things from this area. Back to what Elizabeth spoke about, about what it looks like to present our history 50 years from now. As I manage the museum's social media, I think about that a lot and all of the photos people are now sharing online with no physical copies of those. What does that look like, preserving mm -hmm. those memories mm -hmm. for the future? I had an interesting article I stumbled on, I don't know, last week, or if I could find it, I could send it to you, but it, it was a survey that was done asking people now what things they thought they might look back on with some nostalgia or fondness 20 years from now, and I was shocked. You know, things like cell phones, they think we won't have cell phones 20 years from now, there'll probably be something implanted in your head, you know, and you won't have this physical device. But even if you think of what a cell phone looks like now compared to what it looked like in the 90s when it was like the size of a brick, you know, like you think Things march on and history becomes history and nostalgic it seems like quicker and it affects the collection a lot because what what do you think is important enough to keep 
becomes sometimes what is important enough to give to the museum. And that can skew what histories we can actually tell then. So people really need to look at their own lives, look at their own houses, look at their grandparents' houses, look at their parents' houses, and think, okay, I might not think that's important, but that actually is really connected to Huron County, or it's really important to the histories, and if I don't tell it, who's going to? Right. Yeah. And and sometimes, I mean, looking in the, during COVID lockdowns, we were looking for things, you know, about prior pandemics and what do we have in our collections and history. So you don't also know what is going to be the present moment that you want to look back and look at be like, wait a second, we've done this before. What happened in our communities then? Again, at that local level, because it was fascinating to see how past quarantines were treated very similarly and that we had, you know, we did have in our collection widow's weeds of a woman whose husband had died in the the Spanish influenza and that kind of thing and to make those connections. And so interpretation, also people, how people want us to remember changes too, I think, uh, from this very open storage method that Mr. Neal had, where everything was out on display, where it is more curated and more towards an immersive experience. But I think he was very ahead of his time in focusing on that, you know, kids want to have something they can touch. And so he made all these demonstrative models that are these different agricultural things. They're still so many years later, so popular that every school group we bring in, we want to make sure they have some time with those models because they love doing it. And I think that, you know, that we do not want people to uh, touch some of the more delicate things or climb on the things. But I think it's also like people want that something that they can touch, something that they can interact with. Is there a cutoff date? What makes something old enough to be in a museum? I, it used to be and I say this as used to be because it was when I was in school, they considered that an antique, which is what museums used to collect, which is only antiques. Now we say we collect the stories that go along with the things. It used to be an antique was 50 years old. It had to be 50 years or older. But the closer I get to 50, the less I want to look at things as antiques from, from <laughs> yeah. my childhood. Uh, so I think now it's more that we don't look at it as a date. We look at it as what is the significance of it? Right. And so why was it important or why was it used? Or if it wasn't considered important by everyone, why was it considered important by you? And tell us that provenance that goes along with the piece okay. as well. Is there anything in the museum that you can think of that you look at it and you go, wow, I know that really made life good for people then, but if they could come forward 50 or 100 years and see what's happened with the innovation of that particular thing, they'd be blown away? The one that just popped into my head was our digitized newspaper collection that we can capture years and years and thousands of pages of local history that was published in our local newspapers. You can just scan through all of it online from home. Thank you for mentioning that because I have just recently discovered that you had that and I think it's absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like decades of newspapers. You yeah. can go on there and you can be on there for hours and not realize you were on there for hours because you search for a certain topic that you're interested in, but the article that's in that paper right beside that is even more interesting. Yeah. And then you go off on this um, little chase down this storyline yeah. and it, they really tell what it was like for people. And 
we don't have the same stories in our newspapers anymore oh. of when you well so and so came to visit so and so for brunch yeah. you yeah. know those kinds of things but so which papers are included it's not just one newspaper oh no no, no it's um, the start the earliest one is the Huron Signal in Godridge but it, it includes all the local papers some papers that existed for a short like period we don't have everything it was mm-hmm. what was in the the microfilm collection that was captured by the library but you know at one point like Brussels had three papers because uh, towns used to have like Wing- Wingham had two papers because you had a Tory paper and a grit paper and wow. so every little town had to have its own so we uh, and then a lot of them started combining and amalgamating by the 20th century so so we have like not only a Wingham paper for you know uh, decades we have two Wingham papers so you can also see like if the editors don't like each other they're sniping at each other in the paper as well or if you know you've been here or you have a family that's been here for a couple generations because our papers go to the 2000s from the 1840s so uh, you know you you search their name and you can find out what your family was up to whether All they were whether they were winning like a calf competition or they were in the jail that that's going to pop up so I can't help I shudder a little bit at whoever had to digitize that who did that work because I'm thinking that was a big job We were really lucky that we were able to uh, fundraise a few years ago and get some extra funds to do that and have uh, those newspapers that were on microfilm sent out to a company that did all of that. But we have a staff person right now who's taking that digitization to the next step. We now have four diaries that have been completely scanned and digitized. And so he has a scanner and literally goes page by page and takes a picture of each page and uploads that. He's also doing doing assessment roles and a return of inhabitants and uh, photographs, uh, all sorts of things. And then taking it to another step, we have our online collection. So if you can't come to the museum and you're outside of Huron County or if it's a really snowy day or you just want to see what quilts we have in the collection, we're photographing all of the artifacts as well and putting those online so people can see them. So you don't have to come and just see them in an exhibit. You can see them from home. Fantastic. Make sure everyone has access to what we have. It's not our artifacts. They're all of the community's artifacts. How do we access those? Here in countymuseum.ca. Mm-hmm. That's it? Yeah, yeah, we have a page dedicated to our virtual services, so mm-hmm. you can explore um, the digitized newspaper collection. You can explore our artifact collection. Um, there's a Flickr page where you can um, explore a variety of historical images. Um, you could take 360 tours of the jail in certain um exhibits at the museum. Could you actually go into that and then keyword a name in of of my old biology teacher and see if there was anything? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've all Googled ourselves. I've gone into the newspaper collection and searched my name. And my grandfather was the Reeve of Hensel at one time, so I typed in his name and it brings up like council reports and decisions that were made that his name are tied to. There's a picture of my grandfather fighting a fire near Blythe wearing a t-shirt. Like that was the equipment that they gave the volunteer fire is in Blythe. He's wearing a t-shirt as his safety uh, equipment with a hose trained on a barn. And uh, yeah, so it's it's amazing. And it's something that like, if you want to do this with your parents or your grandparents, be like, hey, I found this article wow. of you in like your 4-H days. Can you tell me more about this? Like things that people haven't thought about it. They start great conversations. I'm going to tell you right now, this yeah. is my favorite Christmas present this year <laughs> uh, that this is available. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is there uh, anything that when you were sort of thinking about, maybe you didn't think about it, when you're thinking about coming today that you thought, I hope he asked this or I hope we get to touch on this that I haven't asked you yet? I think part of it was just how much we love the museum that we want yeah. everyone else to feel connected with that museum too uh, we always find that you don't visit what's in your own backyard so people go away on vacations mm -hmm. and they go places and they go to museums but they don't come and see the one that's right around the corner right. and we want everyone in the county to realize that this is their museum, and if you have a Huron County Library card, you can get into the museum for free. If you want to bring family and have them come, you can buy a membership and get in to our sites and our partner sites uh, for a whole year then at that point in time. And we connect with probably 30,000 plus people a year. And Where do most of them come from? A lot from outside of Huron County. Oh. And our biggest tourist season, May through September, end of September, it's people who are coming to our community because they realize that our communities are ones they want to go to and they want to see. And when we talk to people who are from our own communities, they're like, I went there as a kid, or I've been there a few five years ago. We, the three of us and our staff, are constantly changing things because we don't like to be bored and we don't want anyone else to be bored in the building either. And there's so much, as I think both of you mentioned, that our storage facility has so much that's not on display that to be able to constantly change that and share mm -hmm. those stories in different ways and... And the, and the stories themselves uh, were always, now that we have like the digitized newspapers, we can look up a wedding dress and we can look up, oh, hey, here's the notice in the paper. So now we know this wedding dress had a hat with it. And we know the mother-in-law was wearing this because they used to put those ridiculous, like detailed descriptions <laughs> of what everyone was wearing and what flowers they were holding. And we can m build on that story. And that's like Elizabeth was talking about, like what is important now. And it's not always the age. It's like, well, if your family brought this with you from Holland, and it stayed in the family. Maybe it's not something that was something expensive, but it was something that mattered to you enough that you kept it, that you brought it, like as a first-generation immigrant. Like that's the kind of stuff, the stuff that has that story with it. We like to end our podcast now with a thing we call the Fast Five. So I'm going to ask you five fast questions. I'm going to ask you all the same, the same question, all right? Oh, no. And we'll get you each to answer. You just The first thing that comes into your mind when I ask, are you good? And yeah. we, we, we can go in order or not. Or do you want to go one at a time? Do you want to go, uh, 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 okay? Yeah. Oh, sure, put me first. Thank you, guys. First, first you. question, uh, we'll start Elizabeth, then we'll go Amy, then we'll go Sinead. Elizabeth, who do you text the most? My husband. My husband. My boyfriend? Perfect. A favorite childhood TV show? Fraggle Rock. Wow. <laughs> My dog's name was Fraggle. I loved Fraggle so Aww. much. <laughs> Mr. Dress Up. Yes. We're being Canadian, so Road to Avonlea. Oh, these are all <laughs> yeah. perfect answers. What was your favorite subject in school? History. Uh huh. Geography. Oh. History or English. Okay. If you could go back in time anywhere you wanted to go, where would you go? Just for a day. I used to work at the Bell Homestead Museum in Brantford, and I would love to go back and talk to Alexander Graham Bell when he invented the telephone. Nice. I have so many questions for him. World War II England. Oh, um, I mean, I have to pick Huron County now, because you guys, <laughs> I think I would love to go back to maybe to visit the museum when when Mr. Neal worked there. I think that would be pretty cool. And it would be a lot better than being put in jail in this scenario. So we'll go with that. Last question. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word good? Happy. Oh, <laughs> yummy. 
<laughs> oh, that quality. Quality. All right, fair enough. Ink blotch. We'll get the psychiatrist yeah. right on that. Yeah, you're gonna said chocolate. Analyze these results later. <laughs> Elizabeth French Gibson, senior curator. Amy Zutout, a marketing coordinator. Sinead Cox, curator of engagements and dialogue. How'd I do? Amazing. Cool. Thank you guys for coming in. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. And that's a life that's good podcast episode 43 looking for something to do that's fun educational and inspiring give the huron county museum a try and take the kids you don't have to tell them that they're learning something in the next few weeks we're going to be turning our sights to some people who've made a difference who've made and are still making life good for so many of us thank you so much for your support we never take it for granted and we're grateful. We're getting a few more followers every week, and we know that that's because you're liking and sharing this labor of love with your friends. And that encourages us to keep working hard. Until next time, hope you have a life that's good. Doobie-doo, 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 oh.